when I think of NASA, I think of cutting edge, not only conversations, not only technologies, but ideas. To be in a think tank where you're able to bounce the idea off other brilliant people is a constant challenge because what you're doing hasn't always been done before. We're glad you're along with us today for Small Steps, Giant Leaps, a NASA Apple Knowledge Services podcast where we tap into project experiences to share best practices, lessons learned, and novel ideas. I'm Dina Nunley. On behalf of the entire Apple Knowledge Services team, I want to extend a warm greeting to you. We hope you and your family and friends are healthy and safe. In response to the coronavirus pandemic, Apple Knowledge Services postponed in-person courses And we wanted to let you know we're moving as many courses as possible to virtual delivery. You can find updates at apple.nasa.gov. Today on the podcast, our conversation is with a NASA young professional who was recently named to the Forbes 30 Under 30 Class of 2020. A selection of young, bold, and creative minds the magazine's experts consider revolutionaries who are changing the course of business and society. Kenny Harris is a senior engineer at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center and joins us now on the podcast. Kenny, thanks for talking with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Congratulations on your selection for the Forbes 30 Under 30 Class of 2020. Thank you so much. It's a, it's a real honor to, uh, to, to receive the award, uh, and I'll be more happy to share the story of how it actually happened because um, it, it caught me off guard, to be 100% honest. It did it really. Tell us more about that. So uh, essentially how the, uh, the Forbes list works, from my understanding, is someone nominates you, whether they are anonymous or whether they tell you, uh, they submit it to the necessary people, and then those people reach out to you and, and simply ask for a photo. Just saying, hey, I'm from Forbes. You've been nominated. May we have a photo of you in your professional environment? So I send the photo to this gentleman and I don't hear from him for four to five months. And then on the day that the list is actually released, they send you an email that says, hey, you've been featured on the list and and welcome to the list. They don't tell you who nominated you if they wanted to remain anonymous. And, and they just tell you, you know, all the things that come along with being on the list. And they introduce you to your classmates and And we got this cool app that's basically like a social media network, but it's a social media network for people on the list. So it's it's a way to network. Even it's like a LinkedIn, but but for Forbes listers, it's pretty cool. That sounds so exciting and surprising that all of a sudden you hear back from them. How has the designation impacted you? Honestly, it hasn't changed my day to day life per se. It it has helped get me that additional exposure that I've wanted for so long. Just just because outside of my role as an engineer, I do enjoy not only speaking at conferences and, and on the big stage, but I, I enjoy visiting classrooms very intimately and talking to students one-on-one and really getting their questions answered in terms of, hey, what was undergraduate like? What was it like to be in grad school as well as be full-time at NASA? Um, how did you balance both? How do you how do you have a personal life in addition to everything else that you're doing? And you know, my goal is to be a, a change maker. And this has really helped me to get additional exposure that I needed to to do that. So we're going to want to talk more about being a change maker as we go along in this interview. Give us just a snippet of that. What do you mean when you say you want to be a change maker? What are some of those goals that you've set for yourself? Oh, so I truly want to impact as many lives as I can, uh, whether it's in my field or out of my field. I feel as though I had mentors and people that guided me along and I wouldn't be where I am today without the help of them, 
So I feel like it'd be selfish. It'd be foolish. It'd be, it'd be very big headed and conceited of me to say, I got here by myself and I won't then pour into the next generation. So I feel like it's not about me. It's really about what I can do for others and what I can do to help them along their journey. The Forbes profile highlights your work on five different satellite missions since you started working at NASA at yes. age 16. Uh, let's talk about your journey. How did you get started with the agency as a teenager? So my initial interaction with the agency came at a very, very young age uh, because my dad is an engineer at, at NASA Goddard. So I would spend a lot of afternoons there after school because both my parents worked full time. So I wasn't able to leave school, get on the bus and, and go straight home. I would, I would sometimes have to be picked up by them and we would go back to the office. So I spent a lot of time in, in building five and, and kind of like the machine area, not in the machine area, but where, where the machine area is housed. Um, so I was exposed at a very, very young age to, to NASA and NASA culture. When I got older, I was able to work at a, at a, at a summer camp where we just helped, you know, younger children build model rockets and, and really study the, the really basic knowledge you need in terms of physics and rocket dynamics and things like that. And honestly, it was a summer volunteer opportunity, but I was really there to just watch my younger sister, in all honesty, because um, she was a year, she's 18 months younger than me. So I, I was really there to, to more so keep an eye on her, but still was involved in kind of the NASA culture. From there, I met a woman in the education department as a, uh, as a camp counselor, and she thus encouraged me to apply for the high school internship program or the HIP program. I was immediately accepted the following summer. Uh, when I was 15, I was accepted into the program, and we started that summer when I was 16 years old. And I was able to work on the uh, the MMS mission. That was my first mission there. What happened next for you? Oh, it was <laughs> it just it just kind of kept going. To be honest, um, so I started like I said at sixteen as a sophomore in high school, and the MMS mission that summer turned into a full year because I went to Eleanor Roosevelt High School, which is literally a two minute drive from NASA Goddard. So my mentor at the time, Anthony Sanders, was kind enough to allow me to come uh, on center after school most days. And I was able to kind of continue the project there. I worked in the uh, radiation effects department in, in Code 561. And we were basically studying the effects of radiation on different components of the satellite. So he, was, he, he allowed me to come and continue my work from the summer voluntarily uh, from MMS, I then transitioned to GPM, which is the Globe Precipitation Measurement Satellite, which is a combined project with JAXA. And it was the same situation there. I, I started on that as a high school intern over the summer, and, and it turned into a full year, so much so that when I got to my senior year of high school, I had finished most of my courses in high school, and I had a half day. So I was able to go to school for the first half of the day and then go to Goddard for the second half of the day. And, and that's how I finished up my senior year before I went to undergraduate at uh, the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. And what did you end up getting your degree in? My undergraduate degree is in mechanical engineering and my master's degree is in engineering management. In 2018, you gave a TED Talk about the power of mentorship at NASA and beyond. How important do you think internships and mentoring are for NASA's future? Internships and mentorship in NASA, I feel is of crucial importance. Um, like I said before, I would not be where I am today without the mentors guiding me uh, through the different steps of Goddard and through and through the culture of NASA as a whole, you know, helping me navigate different projects and and seeing a mission through its entire life cycle. I feel as though 
Um, internships specifically help to be that connection between students and their and their eventual career. And every time I go out to these schools and I speak at these conferences, and data shows that that a student, specifically middle school students, are where the disconnect happens in terms of interest in the STEM fields, or not only interest, but but also confidence in the STEM field. It shows that when math changed from just numbers to numbers and letters, or when science changes from you know Mentos and Coca Cola to stoichiometry, these kids are are losing the confidence and the interest in the sciences because it is difficult and because they might not have that support system to help them through it. And as we know, this is a difficult field to be in. So if you don't, if you feel as though you don't have a support system and you feel as though you're not confident enough to complete something on your own, you know, a large percentage of those students will will then lose interest in the field and and thus choose something else to go into. So I feel as though mentorship, internships are of utmost important, not only at Goddard, but across the board. How does NASA step in and help students to get past that obstacle that seems to be causing them to want to go in a different direction because of the difficulties or maybe the lack of a support system? Um, so NASA specifically, I'll say, has a, has a really good internship program, has a really good presence when it comes to trying to be active in the lives of younger students. I know individually, some of me and my other coworkers, like I said, will individually partake in career days. And I know NASA sends out a team to participate in career days. I think the thing NASA is having a problem with now, and I know specifically Goddard and some other centers might have as well, are those people who are already in their field, established in the field, it's more difficult now than it was you know, several years ago to actually get an intern. Let's say there's not enough funds to go around. So, so, so there might be less interns at a center, or there might be, you know, there might be less mentors willing to go through the process of trying to get an intern. Why did you want to become an engineer? My desire to be an engineer is rooted in two things. One, one is my dad. His entire career has been in some hands-on engineering type field. And as long as for long as I can remember, he's been at Goddard. I know he had jobs before that, but for as long as I can remember, he's been at He's been at Goddard. So, you know, just having that constant influence in your life and going back to support systems, going back to feeling as though I was able to do it, even when people said I wasn't able to complete either classes or different assignments on a mission or things like that. You know, I had that support system and thus I had that confidence to be able to continue in that. And the second thing is, as a young kid, I I really, I was really into art and design and things like that. I remember at one of my I remember my second internship on GPM. I walked to my mentor's office on the first day and he asked why I was there. And I, I basically said I wanted to be able to build transformers and not, not you know, the components we all know, but uh, I mean, act, an actual transformer like Optimus Prime. <laughs> and and that, was from, that was from my desire to, to do CAD drawings and, and to sketch things out and stuff like that. And, and, and when I was young, I used to go to my dad's office, draw, you know, Pokemon, different shows I was watching and <laughs> And and thus thus you know I, I made it more more scientific. So I, I like to bring the art side to the sciences, and I feel as though that's that's why I really started to love engineering specifically because there is a beauty to it, um, specifically in the design process, which I think is why I ultimately went the route of mechanical engineering. Hmm, that's fun. What are you working on now? So currently, I work on the JPSS mission, so the Joint Polar Satellite System. Um, it's a series of weather satellites that 
we not only use to collect weather data around the world, but to also monitor natural disasters. I know we, I know a specific instrument on JPSS monitored the the uh, most recent hurricane, Hurricane Dorian, as well as the uh, Amazon rainforest fires and, and the Australian fire. So currently, I work on that project. Currently, working on the database aspect of it to work with spacecraft vendor, ground vendors, instrument vendors to produce the most efficient database possible that we are, so that we are able to control and operate the satellite while on orbit. Is it scratching your itch for all the things that you wanted to do when you were younger and deciding to become an engineer? <laughs> it's um it's it's a new experience, I'll say. You, you know, my my previous experience on James Webb was was what I'll say to be the peak of my uh, my career at Goddard because it was amazing. I was able to work in the clean room. I was able to lead a team. I was able to, you know, do that documentation aspect, but that was only about 25 to 30% of my job. You know, I was I was traveling. I went to Johnson Space Center with, with the telescope right before I went into the thermal chamber. And most importantly, I, I was able to, you know, be, you know, to be around a, a satellite that's that large and, and, to not just see it in a book or to see it online, it was it was an amazing experience to be under the telescope, to be you know to be hoisted up next to it to to make sure components are torqued to the right value it was a it was an amazing experience. Oh yeah, that sounds like a great experience. Are there any other favorite moments of your career so far that you'd want to share with us? So one of my favorite moments at Goddard was during my time on GPM. I was working as an intern under Alfonso Stewart. And code 543. And his style of mentoring is something that I've really taken as my own. And I use it on my mentees to this day. And they absolutely hate it. <laughs> but but I learned I learned so much from this style of mentoring that I, I had to take it as my own. I have to, I had to duplicate the process. So one day it had to be my second or third week uh, on this project. And I come into the room and Alfonso basically says, We have this problem. It needs to meet these three criteria. So we had the solar array panels or the boom deployment system for GPM. He said we have to design an elbow hinge that completes these three requirements. And he walks out the room. <laughs> he he just leaves leaves me to my thoughts. <laughs> he 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 doesn't give me hints. He's just like use your resources, and he he walks out the room. Um, so that so for me that really challenged me to again not only use my resource because at this time you know the Goddard Library was great. Um, we had you know different different documents and stuff. I had I, he had taught me how to read engineering design. So really, I had taken all of the the knowledge I had from my past my past internships as well as those first one to two weeks of the internship on GPM. And he is now challenging me to basically figure it out. And this isn't to say figure it out and then develop it and move on with it. It's 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 figure it out, come back and have the conversation. And that to me was was so challenging. And it, it allowed me to to learn so much just from the experience that again I just had to duplicate it. and they they hate it. They my mentees will say, hey, are you gonna you gonna help me with anything else? I, I said, and you know my my response is basically you know, no, we're, we'll figure it out. Just give me your give me your take on it first, and you know, it come back and I have questions and and questions about the design, questions about materials to use, questions about just a host of things. And we have a really good conversation about it. And I think I've learned, and I, well, I know I've learned a ton from that method that I still use to this day. What are some of the challenges you faced along the way? So challenges I faced along the way. Uh, in terms of in terms of education, 
there was a time in my education uh, career where I was I was advised to stop my pursuit of engineering and again full circle back to that confidence and and having a support system. I feel as though I actually would have changed my major if it was not for you know the help of those mentors I had, the support system I had in in college at the time and 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 just being confident in my abilities. And you know that's not to say that I didn't I didn't take the advice or the, of the person that said, "Hey, you should you should change your major." I, you know, I looked through different majors that my credits were transferred to. I did a host of different things, but at the end of the day, I'm exceedingly happy that I, I did not change my degree. In terms of career challenges, I'll say that when you think about NASA, you think about uh, you automatically think space. And then when I think of NASA, I think of cutting edge, not only conversations, not only technologies, but ideas. And to be in a think tank where you're able to bounce the idea off other brilliant people is a constant challenge because what you're doing hasn't always been done before. And what you're doing, you're always trying to improve and make as efficient as possible, not only for monetary reasons, but also in terms of schedule and also in terms of of just the data you can get from it, because we all want <laughs> as much data as possible, um, so that we can, you know, understand these different galaxies and universes and planets and and stars and whatever else we we decide to study. So I'll say the challenges the challenges are are exceedingly rewarding. You mentioned that there was some suggestion for you to change your major. What was that about? So within my educational career. For my undergraduate degree, there was a course that I I struggled with um, pretty bad uh, during my my junior year, which is arguably the the hardest year for any engineering major. <laughs> um, and and it was a, like I said, it was a class I really struggled with, and I had a bunch of other classes that I was taking that I was I was doing fairly well, fairly well. And so my academic advisor, basically after taking the class once and needing to retake it, he he just said that you know engineering might not be the best route for you to go. There are alternative routes you can take. You should drop out of the mechanical engineering program and, and maybe switch to a different uh, major that accepts the credits that you have. And like I said, I was really discouraged because this was this wasn't the first time I faced uh, academic struggles, but it was it was one of the one of the worst academic struggles I did face while in my undergraduate degree. That was something that I feel as though was was ill advised. And like I said, without my Without the network I had and without the confidence I had, I feel as though I would have actually taken the route and taken the advice of that person. But you persevered and you were able to succeed in getting that degree. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I had to, you know, I had to say in the in the in my TEDx, I had to say that I went, you know, I pursued a second a second engineering degree after that because I don't I don't like to back down from challenges. So I did. I took I took it very personally. I took it as a as a testament to. That person's confidence in me, I took it a testament to that person's uh, opinion of my level of skill and I harnessed those emotions and it, it, they, they pushed me forward constantly. I not only take it as a lesson for myself, but I try to use it as a lesson for, for everyone else. And, and thus, I constantly encourage anyone I come in contact with to say, hey, you'll face, you'll face challenges, you'll face struggles, but you know, it's, not, it's not the end of the world. And there are bigger problems out there than the one that you're facing right now. So I take it, I took it as a lesson and I took it as a, a lesson and an opportunity to teach others as well. What do you think the characteristics are that make you successful? Um, that's a good question. 
I think I'd say from the outside looking in, um, I'd say one characteristic that I like about myself is the desire to make an impact on others. Again, so many times throughout my career, I've had the opportunity to do additional things that that seemingly will put me on a pedestal, but every time consistently I have to make the argument or I have to say the statement of it's not about me because I don't want people to focus on me. I want people to focus on how they also might have amazing careers. They might have also done amazing things and the world needs to see that. You know, a younger student needs to see that and they need to see not only the work you're doing, but the willingness you have to reach out and impact them. So I think that more than anything, we we need to, you know, focus on impact, not only for the the younger generation, but me specifically, I feel as though I'm in a a great spot in terms of I can reach back to the younger generation, encouraging them, using my story to be a mentor to them and encouraging them to get additional mentees and encouraging them to get through their their studies in college and, and high school and, and postgraduate, but also to reach forward and touch the generation that came before me, you know, encouraging them to reach back and to get a mentee, you know, to pour into them, to encourage them to find a replacement for them when they eventually leave the workforce. And, and not only that, but again, to encourage them to tell their story because so many of them have gone through adversity. So many of them have gone through different challenges, you know, that, that we don't have to go through today. Like my dad always tells me a story about when they used to use punch cards and, 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 you know, I have no experience with punch cards, but that level of dedication to be so ingrained in your work that you will take the time to use punch cards, you know, that if you if you fumbled them and they fell out of order, you would have to then put them back in back in order uh, manually. Uh, so so so, you know, just those stories not only gives you an appreciation for who came who came before you, but it also encourages you to also tell your story because, you know, in 10 years, my use of, a, you know, the giant TI-83 calculators, they don't even use. I don't think most most places use those anymore. Um, so. I don't know. Each each person's story is unique, and I, I encourage them to to tell it. With all the demands on your schedule as a young professional, how are you able to achieve work life balance? <laughs> um, time management. Time management is is the key to that. Um, you know, being a young professional, being involved in my work, being being not only that, but but attempting to do other things, just like having a social life, you know, being married, um, it's 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 a lot, I say. But I think time management is most important. You cannot give all your time to your work. Your work is important. Your work is life changing. But you have to make time for yourself. And I see so many people getting burnt out because they they put so much into their work, or they put so much into you know their personal life that then they don't have time for their work. So I think it's. I think it's all about work-life balance. My mom used to tell me something coming up. There's a time to work and there's a time to play. And that's something that I've, I have I, I live by, you know, either you dedicate, you know, you dedicate your eight, nine hours to work each day throughout the day. And, and then you go home and, and that's that. Like, you know, I, I don't believe in really taking your work home with you after the day, unless for some reason you have fallen behind and you need to catch up on something. But I feel as though, those things can wait unless they have really, really hard deadlines. And that's to, that's to protect, you know, your own health, your own, 
your own mind and your own body. I feel as though that is the best way to achieve work-life balance, knowing when to cut things off. And you're a big proponent of goal setting. What are your thoughts on the importance of setting goals? Yeah. So for me, I think setting goals allows me to have tangible targets for things that I hope to achieve. Um, For example, there was a speaker that came to my high school. I believe I was in either 10th or 11th grade. And he challenged us to, you know, all of us have our book bags with us. He just said, hey, take out a sheet of paper. It can be scrap paper as long as it's blank on one side. And he challenged us to write down every goal we hope to achieve in the next three years. So we wrote that down. Then he asked us to write down every goal we expect to achieve in the next 10 to 12 years. And I wrote that down and, you know, challenged the young, challenged the young ladies to put the, put the note in their purse, challenged us to put them in our wallets or our book bags or what have you. And I still have that, that sheet of paper with those, with those goals on it. And, and each time I, I've completed something along the way, you know, I just go in my wallet and I'll, I'll check it off. Oh, I'll, I'll add additional goals as, as it comes along, but it helps to have those tangible goals that you're able to hit along the way. And not only that, you know, it's great conversation and it, it helps you to know where you've come from and where you're going. So I'll say that goal setting and particularly writing down your goals and tracking your goals is is of utmost important. And for the last thing, it also, again, helps build that confidence. Like as you see yourself checking off these goals and as you see yourself accomplishing these things that you said you'll accomplish, you build the confidence that you're able to do it. Because the the gentleman that spoke actually challenged us to write some some outlandish goals on there. And I've achieved some of those things. And it, you know, it's 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 great to see that that I had that confidence in myself at such a young age that I was able to still accomplish those goals. What's your plan for the future? Oh man. <laughs> um, plan for the future. Um, so my plan for the future is to, you know, constantly pursue challenging work. I'd love to get on the next big project at Goddard and and contribute my skills from from the last five missions I've been on to to the future of Goddard. Um, currently waiting to hear back from the astronaut corps. I, I submitted my application in March when the application pool was open. So I'm excited to hear back about that. Um, it'll be my first time applying. So, so, you know, fingers crossed, but, <laughs> but I, I wanted to, you know, take that, I wanted to take that chance and, and apply for it because that's been a, a dream for me since I was a young child. Cause I mean, who, who works in NASA and really doesn't want to be an astronaut. So that's another one of my goals for the future. I hope to, again, be a, a change maker. I hope to impact as many students as possible. I hope to continue to speak at these conferences. I hope to encourage the next great person in the field of STEM or just in, in any career. I hope, I hope to encourage them and use my story as, as an example of what you can accomplish. Kenny, this has been so much fun and inspirational. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been, like you said, it's been it's been fun. It's been a it's been an experience. I'm I'm so happy I was able to share the story with you and and I can't wait to see what what comes in the future. Any closing thoughts? So more than anything, I want everyone to know that it's up to you to impact the next generation. It's it's your choice. But so many, so many of the students out here and so many of the 
people already involved in their career need to hear your amazing story and need to hear lessons you've learned and need to hear just the things you've been through to encourage them to be great as well. You'll find links to topics discussed on the show along with Kenny's bio and a transcript of today's episode on our website at apple.nasa.gov slash podcast. We invite you to take a moment and subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends and colleagues about it. As always, thanks for listening to Small Steps, Giant Leaps.